This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. Each week, I'm joined by an Oanda Senior Market Analyst. This week, we have both Craig Earlham in London and Ed Moyer in New York. Uh, good morning and good afternoon, chaps. Good afternoon. Hello there. Now, we live in extraordinary times, and it's got even more extraordinary over the last two or three hours. We've heard that the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has coronavirus now. And it was interesting, Craig, to see how markets reacted to that. They didn't react very well. No, they didn't. I understand that markets are reactive, and this is big news. But I I can't help but feel that it's nothing more than just big news. Obviously, for Boris Johnson personally people around him he's obviously got a pregnant fiance this is a very significant thing but as far as markets are concerned the uk is concerned i don't see why it's such a big deal it's shocking but i don't see why it's a big deal what difference is it going to make he's still going to be working he's still going to be leading he's still going to be communicating with people likely by all of the video conferencing software which we're all now experts in which is why we're able to continue to do the podcast for example so the fact that we saw a one percent dip in the pound in the immediate aftermath of this just felt like one of those typical things that we can sometimes see in the markets the markets effectively pride themselves on being rational but in moments it can be extremely irrational and i feel like that's what we saw a period of irrationality which typically you shortly after see uh, the move faded not too long after you'll see the market trading back where it was previously we haven't quite got back to the peak we're at in the pounds but we're not far short we have given up most of those declines since that news was initially announced which does just act as a lesson i guess that the markets can be uh, incredibly irrational at times even if this is on the face of a massive headline the world of course is in turmoil stocks going on this roller coaster over the last few weeks ed we've had some of the highest unemployment figures ever in the united states New York is in particular trouble at the moment with a very, very high mortality rate, unfortunately. Can you give us a flavour of what it's like on the East Coast at the moment and in the USA as a whole? When we take a look at what has happened in New York, the uh, situation is is getting worse faster than anyone anticipated. The concerns are that uh, hospitals are just running out of supplies, they're running out of beds, they're running out of ventilators. There's finally been action taking place that will provide relief, but it might not deliver these goods in time. So we might hit healthcare capacity for some hospitals within the next couple of weeks. We're seeing sharp rises too, even in New Jersey. Uh, now there's expectations that we might have a, a similar situation there. There's just a growing concern that this virus is going to continue to spread. I think when I take a look at what has happened in my uh, apartment in the Upper West Side, about a week ago, I'd say it was half occupied. Now, I think there's only a quarter of the people here, and most of those people left a couple days before they imposed that advice for New Yorkers to quarantine themselves for two weeks before continuing to move about of the city. And uh, I think you're going to continue to see this virus spread across the states. 
no one can really have a handle of exactly how far this virus is going to spread. Uh, the, no one knows what the duration is going to be uh, or the scope. And uh, I think this health crisis is going to get a lot worse in the U.S. And right now, when we take a look at the markets, you know, we have the best three-day rally since 1933. And a lot of people are asking, is this is the bottom in place? And I, I think that you're probably going to see a bear market rally. And uh, I would not be surprised if we saw a retest of the, the recent lows because there's an unfortunate fortunate thing with the uh, crises is that when you see such a sudden shock to the economy where you completely destroy consumption and production the economy you know while everyone expects you know the snapback everything to come back once you know we're beyond the virus there's just too many massive negative multipliers and that's going to continue to weigh on the outlook and i think there's been a good amount of the, the street and uh, some of the more savviest investors i've been hearing just be i think a little bit too optimistic that you're going to see the U.S. be beyond this virus by the end of April. I think that you're probably going to see it linger. And uh, until we have further clarity, and the top medical professions are all saying that you can't really have a proper trajectory of, you know, when things are going to peak um, right now. And I, I think this uncertainty is going to continue to weigh on sentiment. And that's why you're you're seeing markets be a little bit nervous. And, you know, you could have uh, other heads of, of governments come down with the virus. And I think all that's going to do is provide expectations that you're going to see these lockdown measures remain in place probably a lot longer than many people were hoping. And it's very worrying that people have not taken the advice to stay put, but they've decided to run for the hills. And um, that is exactly against all advice. Fortunately, in this country, in the United Kingdom, we seem to be getting the message. There seems to be a bit more discipline at the moment within the UK population. Of course, it is very early days yet. And there are obviously worrying figures. The numbers are going up exponentially every single day but at least we have two things the general public seem to be getting the message and also the government and it's extraordinary in a way that it's a conservative government has provided such incredible measures over the last few days in terms of both employed and uh, self-employed people and that has given the vast majority of people and markets a bit of confidence. Yeah, and it's extremely important that people don't feel like they have to go to work uh, and put themselves and others at risk because they have that safety net, which has now been employed for the vast majority of people. As you've just alluded to, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's two things you always see at play here. You can see statistics, you can see numbers, but when you don't see this happening to people around you and you don't know the people who are being impacted, it's easy to brush it aside and think that this doesn't happen to me and it won't happen to anyone around me so I can continue to do as I see fit. You see people being told you've got to self-isolate, but then they do run for the hills, as you've already said, and effectively potentially take the virus with them because they think I won't have it and I need to get out while I still can. Uh, and it's this kind of attitude which does lead to the spread and which previously here in the UK, the attitude of it won't happen to me means that when People are told self-isolate and not go to work. What they actually do is go to the park with friends and have a really good time in the sun. Um, hopefully, we are starting to see attitudes change. And it's always interesting, again, statistics don't seem to worry people that much. But it's when they see people in the public eye 
getting uh, this virus, then they start to realise that it can happen to anyone. The football uh, Premier League was effectively postponed the minute that Mikel Arteta, the Arsenal manager, got the virus. And then it was like, actually, it's impacting footballers as well now. We should probably postpone the match, postpone the season. One of the good things that may come out, uh, and I, uh, I say that lightly, one of the good things that could come out of Boris Johnson getting the coronavirus is it will make people realise that this can and will happen to absolutely anyone uh, and that this is an incredibly serious and of course there's the health secretary matt hancock as well who is also tested positive this is an extremely serious situation and i think people are finally starting uh, to take it seriously uh, and it's just the slow reaction uh, that we've seen uh, which is going to mean that this situation is going to get much worse and it's because of that that i do agree with what ed is saying i don't feel like these markets have bottomed yet i still think there's one major shock still to come and that's going to be peak coronavirus in the US. Um, and that's when I think that the markets could potentially take another hit because we've all heard the stories out of New York. Um, we know that, for example, the US now has more cases than China or Italy, although not more deaths at this stage. And that may, as President Trump said, be because they are doing more tests at this point. But the WHO, the World Health Organization, said that in the not too distant future, the US will be the epicenter. I struggle to see how the markets continue to rally against that backdrop when the cases are rapidly accelerating, the death toll is rapidly accelerating, hospitals are at over capacity, the economy is shutting down. Whoever is advising President Trump telling him that the economy can be back up and running by Easter in two weeks' time, that can't possibly actually happen. This is a situation that's going to get much worse before it improves. I struggle to see how markets don't continue to test these lows, no matter how many trillions of dollars of fiscal and monetary stimulus you do throughout the situation. As far as I'm concerned, this is stimulus intended to minimize the impact as best as possible, to enable countries to cope with the stimulus, to enable households to survive through the coronavirus, and hopefully then propel us higher when we do start to uh, move on. Uh, and that is where it can effectively act as rocket fuel uh, for any rebound when it does happen, rather than being responsible for happening in the, uh, in the near term. And those comments, Craig and Ed, from President Trump were quite extraordinary, weren't they, really? We'll come on to Trump in a minute or two. I'm just looking at the latest numbers um, as we speak. The FTSE down 6%, the Dow Jones 3.5%. Is that difference in the FTSE down to the Boris Johnson and the Matt Hancock factor, Craig? Potentially. It, the, major, the, the US may catch up uh, as it moves on through the session. Um, it, it's always really difficult. So you've got to remember the FTSE is a very global, um, a, a very global index as well. It's very different for many indices around the world, um, given the exposure outside of the UK compared to inside the UK. And usually, it actually has that inverse relationship with the pound. So you wouldn't necessarily see them correlate in the way that that you, that you what that you're suggesting with the negative news being negative necessarily um, for the FTSE 100 index itself. I think this is probably more just a reflection of the fact that we have seen the strongest rally in three days, as I'd said, since 1933. And we're now going into a weekend. The weekend has been a scary time these last few weeks. A lot can change over these few, few days, especially when you are seeing accelerating numbers. My phone's just gone off to say that another 182 people have died after testing positive for coronavirus in the UK, taking the total to 766. That's in the last 24 hours. That's a huge acceleration. Imagine what we could potentially now see over the next couple of days as we move towards uh, peak coronavirus. And when you look at the last three Mondays, the last three Mondays, we've seen an average 
uh, decline. I think it's uh, around 5.16%. Each, each Monday over the last few weeks has been a sharp decline. And I think that's because the news coming in over the weekend has, uh, in terms of the death toll, the, uh, the, 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 the infection count um, has uh, triggered those declines. So if I'm an investor now and I've just had a good week and I've just seen three positive days, then yeah, taking some profit now, taking some cash off the table uh, as we go into another worrying, concerning weekend, for me, makes a lot of sense. I think the real test will now come on Tuesday when we see what the numbers are like over the weekend. If the markets bounce back again on Tuesday, then potentially there is some hope that we are seeing a floor uh, appearing in the markets Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. Uh, but it's really hard to judge off just this week alone, and that includes today. And it is very worrying to hear about the mortality rate, very concerning indeed. And it almost seems wrong to be discussing data and numbers, but they are related, of course. We need the world's economies to recover because the worse the global economy does, the more of a threat to all of our lives it is. Just having a look at the latest oil data, Ed, Brent crude down below $25 a barrel. WTI just about 21 and a half. I don't think I can ever recall seeing those sorts of numbers. No, very much so. And I think uh, you're going to see low oil prices for uh, quite some time because we're going to be having an oversupplied market. Uh, you know, this morning, uh, Saudi Arabia kind of reminded us uh, that, uh, you know, at the beginning of next month, we're going to see both them and the Russians uh, kind of ramp up their their uh, production and that's going to keep uh, markets very oversupplied in, in, the, in the next couple of months and, and i think you're also and no one's no one has a handle of quantifying the demand destruction that is is happening because of this virus and uh with with uh, these two key drivers you know there there's there's no you know reason to to be optimistic that you'll you'll see oil prices uh stabilize here and i think you're you're probably going to even see uh, just uh, another uh, strong uh, sell-off in, in the coming weeks. It's hard to disagree. It's interesting that on a pure percentage basis, we saw a strong rebound in oil prices this week. But in absolute terms, we're talking about a couple of dollars. It's just because oil is falling so low that the pure percentage basis, 5 10%, 10%, 15% sounds like a lot. But when that's only $3, it's not actually that. Uh, it's not actually hugely significant. Uh, all you have to do is look at a chart to see that the actual significance of it is still relatively minor, whereas the stock markets are making these um, making these impressive gains uh, on Tuesday through Thursday. The difficulty that we have with the oil market, which the equity market doesn't have, is it's battling the coronavirus and an oil price war. So then you've got these two factors which are completely destroying uh, the price. And, when, uh, and until one of those starts to alleviate, it's hard to see it. Um, it's hard to see it making any kind of strong recovery. So we had WTI testing $20 earlier this week. And at the same time, you're, you're looking at that thinking, we could be back into the teens here rather than heading towards the 30s. I think $18 below here could be another interesting test. But you think at these levels, that's another 10% drop, which doesn't, which is just quite staggering, more than 10% from the current levels that we are. Uh, trading at. and you just don't see any of the, the either of the two dynamics improving to an extent that's going to lift oil prices uh, in any significant way in the near term. Even with even if risk appetite does continue to slightly improve next week, the simple fact that the matter is any improvement in risk appetite in equity markets is driven by the sheer amount of monetary stimulus, the sheer amount of cash being flooded into the system. It's not in any way a sign that people are getting to grips with the fundamental. Uh, 
uh, outlook for the economy because until we start to see a, a, an improvement in any way, shape or form, even if that, even if that is just slowing momentum, uh, then it, it is extremely difficult to quantify, A, how long this is going to last, B, how bad it's going to be, uh, and see how permanent the impact is going to be on the unemployment market because it's the it's the this last point that could really turn this from a sharp shallow recession into a more prolonged serious recession if unemployment permanent unemployment starts to really tick higher then uh then that could be then that is going to be extremely concerning not just for the next two quarters but for the, potentially the next two years we saw um the jobless claims this week markets gave it a free pass even though this spike above 3 million uh, new jobless claims up from less than 300,000 was the biggest spike we've ever seen in this data. And this has gone back to the 70s, 60s. Uh, maybe Ed can provide more clarity on that in terms of when this data started to come out. But this was a huge, huge spike. But the markets gave it a free pass and continued to rally. I think that's because it was expected. That's because we're still in the early days. Any indication over the coming weeks that that is not just a temporary spike and I think markets could start to react very differently and it's because of that that I just feel like any rallies right now as Ed's just uh, Ed alluded to earlier it's a bear market rally because there just doesn't feel like there's much sustainability. Looking ahead this is not just a short term or even a medium term problem this is a game changer isn't it really because we will get through this coronavirus situation and hopefully the world will recover. But long term, we are talking about sectors in the economy that may well never recover because our behaviour is going to change. And there may be many people in the markets who have already factored that in. For instance, travel, leisure. I mean, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it does seem as though things are never going to be quite the same again. I, I think that you are going to be correct when you... Uh look at the energy sector i think that uh, uh we, we we're probably going to see uh, a massive consolidation i think that you're going to probably despite uh congress's efforts to 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 save some of these businesses you're going to continue to see defaults you're going to see uh, uh, a lot of these smaller productions uh, companies uh, just uh, have to close up shop because they're going to go bankrupt and and uh, you, you're, you're seeing, um, you know, this massive two trillion stimulus really kind of take aim at saving Boeing, saving uh, uh, the airlines and uh, the, the, the cruise lines. And, and, and there's, there's probably uh, going to be uh, some optimism that eventually you'll see uh, them uh, be able to, to kind of come back to life. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, there is going to be a, a completely different uh world that we live in because corporate corporate and consumer behaviors are going to change drastically after this virus productivity trends globalization trends are going to be different uh and you're you're gonna have uh well yes you'll have that snapback rally uh you're gonna see people really uh keep a close eye on how they allocate their portfolios and and i i think you're you're probably gonna see uh um no no real optimism on 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 energy um a lot of people will remain skeptical by the airlines and i think that um you know you'll have to be You'll probably want some exposure because I do. Th I, I believe that you'll probably uh, see governments really do everything to to support uh, that industry, um, and, and uh, it, it's just it's going to be a very messy messy place to to invest in and in, in going forward. Uh, but uh, but you you know you'll probably see the the the, the riskier plays. Uh, any anyone that has 
credit risk is is not going to be somewhere you want to park your money. I think you're going to continue to see uh, some stresses uh, um, in 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 the credit markets, and and until uh, you, you you have a more optimism that uh, everything is kind of s volatility is settling down uh, you're, you're probably going to continue to see these massive swings and there's going to be optimism that uh, you'll, you'll have the some of the the key bellwethers um, whether it's uh, the, the the fang stocks whether it's uh, some some of the more giant industrial plays uh, kind of be the ones that you'll see um, benefit in, in in the immediate short term but right now I, I think you're 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 gonna probably uh, see many investors be uh, too afraid to, to jump right back in and I, I think you know as you you see the markets kind of uh, retest those lows, and depending on how far if it breaks, you know that might be the time. Then uh, you'll you'll probably want to see more uh, passive investors uh, start to scale in. And we talked before about uh, President Trump. I was surprised to see Ed his uh, personal ratings not as low as you might expect. In fact, they've been pretty steady. But do you think the way things are going, particularly on the East Coast? Could they affect Trump's chances of re-election to the point where it becomes terminal? I think that you're probably going to see Trump be very vulnerable in Pennsylvania, uh, Florida, too. I, 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 this virus spread is uh, probably going to hit those red states, too. I, I think that right now the, the, the best thing former Vice President Biden could do is just be quiet. His approval rating, that is somewhat surprising. Uh, and while he is criticized uh, for his response during the beginning of the spread. Uh, I think some of his comments about trying to have some normalcy by Easter is, is going to be spun, where he's going to say, well, I was talking about some of the Western states where there there's not much of a, a risk. And, and, and uh, I, he's, he's, he's trying to provide spin. If the economy is at a standstill, that is going to provide us with a deeper recession. So you're probably going to see all these major metropolitan cities be shut down for probably at least two months uh, and possibly probably longer and uh, the, the election is not likely to uh, um, be really um, I, I, th I think you're probably going to see people be kind of uh, have that same approach that we had last time with Hillary and that uh, it could be Right now, I think Wall Street is still somewhat confident Trump will get reelected, but I think the the risks are growing that uh, you you would probably see Biden have a good chance now. Uh, he he has pulled well in during the battleground states before this virus, so um, uh, if uh, as long as he does not have any major uh, blunders, which um, you know, it, we probably see both of them probably have a few. Uh, I I think this this election is not likely to to uh, be, um, I think, uh, have a firm pricing in of anything now that uh, I think Trump's lost a lot of momentum. And, and, and there's, there's probably going to be a, a, a little bit more of a reaction to uh, his his steps in the next coming months. Um, I, I think if he does rush back these uh, measures as far as bringing back the economy to life, as far as normalcy and, and, and people going to work, I think that'll be a big mistake for him. And uh, we'll, we'll see what he does. But right now, uh, he, he has Dr. Fauci come somewhat on his side. And uh, if he, if he um, has his support, I think um, he still does have a good chance of getting reelected. Surely this is one spin too many for Trump. He's managed to be the Teflon 
president for nearly four years now. This is surely one time too many. And as Ed has correctly said, there are states that would fall based on the present situation. And unfortunately, this tragic situation is set to get even worse in the United States. We're not even perhaps even a quarter of the way through, no matter what Donald Trump says. I'm really quite torn, uh, if I'm honest. And I know the last thing you want on these podcasts is someone sitting on the fence. But the so I, I'm quite torn. So a few months ago, I was convinced that Trump wins. I thought um, it, it just seemed like it's hard to envisage a president getting voted out of office when you do have um, multi-decade low unemployment, when you have an economy that's roaring along. Uh, uh, it, it's hard to imagine him getting voted out. And Trump does appeal strongly to his base, and therefore it's extremely difficult to imagine a scenario in which he gets voted out, especially when the competition um, doesn't seem particularly strong. And at the time I was saying, the only person I feel like could potentially give him competition is because it, it's kind of a version of him who's been even more successful may have been Mike Bloomberg, but he showed his own weaknesses over the last month or so um, along the way. So what the reason why I'm torn is because I, I feel to an extent, because this is a global phenomenon, that there are going to be people who are going to give Trump a free pass um, and not view this as his fault, even if the US economy is in recession. And the other reason is because the opposition, I just don't feel like the opposition is strong enough. If this, if we were going in and this was, uh, and I hate to use this example, but if this was Trump versus Obama, then I I feel like his, it, there'd be a great, much greater risk. I don't feel like uh, Joe Biden has the same charisma uh, and the same appeal uh, as someone like Barack Obama, and therefore that puts him at a significant disadvantage. Then there's the flip side of it. The flip side being that it's easy to forget now that Trump actually lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton. Even though he won the overall election, he lost the popular vote. So it's not like it was a landslide win against someone who was even less charismatic, uh, you could argue, than Joe Biden, um, uh, who who um, I think people find it more difficult, who had a lot more controversy surrounding it with the emails. So it's almost easy to forget that at this point because it feels like such a long time ago. And then... It's, it depends on really how people end up viewing this coronavirus situation because from here in the UK, it's people are looking at how he's handled it and this, uh, and the view, broadly speaking, has been that he's tried to play it down repeatedly. He has, um, he, he has um, constantly suggested that it's going to go away, that it's been defeated, um, that this is basically not a US problem. Uh, and then he started taking it far more seriously far too late in the day. And even now, he's trying to play it down. And the only rationale really for wanting to do something like that is because, uh, and again, this is this is my personal viewpoint, is why would someone want to play it down so much rather than take it seriously? And it's it's an election year. And was, the, is, was his view, was, he, was, he, was his judgment being impacted by the desire not to grind the economy to a halt just before an election? Uh, and was he effectively rolling the dice because it's an election year? Would he have acted this way if the election was in two years' time? And if people start to think that way, and if people start to believe that he has effectively uh, gambled with their lives because it's an election year, then people then that may affect people's judgment when it comes to the polls, even people who have previously um, supported him. It's extremely difficult to know. But what we one thing we have seen from Trump over the years is he is extremely good at spin. He is extremely good at telling people the opposite of what other people believe to be true is true. 
And which is why you're seeing a lot now uh, when he speaks to the media, calling it the Chinese virus. It, it's, it's easy to overlook the fact that by calling it the Chinese virus, what he's doing is he's shifting responsibility away from anything that happens in the US now over the next couple of months, away from him and onto China. Uh, and that is not unintentional. Uh, but he's good at this. He knows what he's doing and, uh, and it works. And we've seen that it works in the past. Um, he's also been speaking repeatedly about uh, how... Uh, how they were very quick to respond to the Chinese situation and block flights from China to the US, how quick they've been reacting, how they've been much faster than anyone else, how if other people would have handled the situation better, the US wouldn't be as bad, worse off as it is now. Never taking any responsibility himself, but pushing the blame elsewhere. He's very good at this. but I, and, and that's not necessarily a criticism. The point I'm trying to make is if people believe the things that he says, that because he's been so, so successful with it in the past, then he will be re-elected because people won't attribute fault or blame to him they will put the fault on china they'll put the fault on europe they'll put the fault anywhere else bar on uh, trump himself um and if he is effective and if he is does as good a job at that as he has in the past with other issues then i'd say he probably will be re-elected okay craig Earlham, ed moyer thanks for joining us today and be safe thank you you too always a pleasure thank you From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.